Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here with another edition of Oilers Live Tuesday. Uh, sorry, we're uh, starting a little bit late today, but uh, it's all because I had to get my guest prepped and ready, Mr. Ryan Lotzberg. I'm pretty high maintenance, I know. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> very, very high maintenance, but happy to have you. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, you. of course, is uh, one of our top contributors over at heavyhockey.com. And uh, just released a new article tonight. We'll talk about that uh, as well as other things around the league. Uh, it's uh, Patrice Bergeron retirement day. So that's a big deal. Yeah. Thoughts, thoughts about that, by the way, Ryan? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of Bergeron's pretty much his entire career. Like even going back to like thinking of him playing on a line with Sidney Crosby at the World Juniors in 05. And, awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the best defensive centers to ever play the game. I mean, six Selkie trophies speak for itself or speak for themselves. And uh, he's a rare top line player whose performance didn't really decline into his mid thirties. Well, I mean, just won the Selkie, right? <laughs> yeah, he just yeah, he just won the bloody thing. <laughs> and uh, and he was still producing like a top line player this year, and on one of the better lines in the league with him and Pasternak and Marchand. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big blow to the Bruins and a blow to the league as well because he's a class act. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I, uh, there aren't many guys, like, you know, he's, he just was quietly one of the best players in the game, even. I don't know if you could say that, but... <laughs> yeah, like, he, he yeah. didn't have a, the spotlight thrust upon him very often. Like, he, was, he did it pretty quietly, you're right. I mean, in Boston, I mean, when they had the Hart Trophy candidates, it wasn't Bergeron, it was uh, Pasta, right? So, yeah, you know, it's, um, but it's hard to, uh, hard to say that he wasn't or isn't the most important guy on that team year after year. He's just such a good player. I mean, we're about to find out just how important he actually was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's amazing that a guy in his retirement year can go out uh, with the Selkie, you know, guys typically they're on their on their downswing, if you will, um, when they get to that level. Yeah, not um, not Bergeron. I mean, he's uh, he's uh, you know, I I always um, some guys uh, you know are just fans of a team. I'm fans of the game. Uh, I think a lot of the folks over at Heavy Hockey are, and and if you're a fan of the game you are definitely, you know, a fan of watching a guy like Bergeron play. And it's a sad, it's, it's a sad day, sad loss for the league. Absolutely. And like the other thing, the other aspect I think it might be a little lost is just the amount of injuries that he had in his career. Like he played through a punctured lung and a broken foot in the Stanley Cup finals against the Blackhawks. And like he, I know he's had multiple other significant injuries in his time too. But he always came back stronger, and it was able to be consistent even in the late part of his career. So that tip of the cap, lots of respect for Bergeron. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He f he uh, finished with just over a thousand points, if I'm not uh, not mistaken. I believe so. Um, I um, 
I wanted to, uh, sorry, I got a, I got a note and I, you know, as an insider, <laughs> <laughs> always working the phones, hey, <laughs> well, always working the phones. I had to read it. Something actually heavy hockey showdown related. Um, and, uh, now it'll weed its way into the, into tonight's episode. Uh, anyway, we're starting late tonight, folks. So we're going to maybe try to go through this a little bit quick. Uh, as you guys, as most of you know, I'm, I'm based in Atlantic Canada, so it's, um, closing in at the witching hour already for me and and um you know i know uh even even back home in in alberta it's uh it's pretty late there even so we'll kind of we'll kind of run through this and you know it is the off season biggest news uh of the day is bergeron that's big news but outside of that i mean there's some arbitration rulings to talk about we'll talk about oilers headlines we've got some good ones for you uh, this has been how we've been running the show of late. Uh, and, um, you know, as I said uh, at the start of the show, Lotzi put out a new uh, article today. So we'll talk about that. All of the headlines, uh, if you're on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can go into the description of the show. The headlines we discuss uh, today will be in there. And we'll start with uh, maybe the biggest one of the off season, as far as the Oilers are concerned so far, which is, uh, the DFO rundown was on the other day. Uh, Sarah Valley, who, who has his, has his, uh, hand on the pulse of the league typically is, is a pretty good, uh, insider in terms of knowing what's going on. Um, and Gregor, we're talking about, uh, McLeod, Ryan McLeod and, uh, Bouchard. And their um, and their contracts or lack of. <laughs> Gregor started the Oilers segment there with uh, basically saying he thought that the McLeod contract was close, and then Sarah Valley was quick to say that's not what I heard. <laughs> so, so you know, I guess you know the um and and maybe I'll I'll give you a bit of a, another summary there. Sir Valley said it's not accurate. Sir Valley also said the Oilers want just south of two million. That's what they're they'd hope uh, McLeod to sign McLeod for. Um, and then uh, you know they pointed out the obvious, which is you've got these two players to sign. Whatever McLeod kind of takes over that two million mark is money out of the pocket of Bouchard, uh, especially for this year. Uh, Bouchard doesn't have Arbright, so he kind of, you know, he's left, uh, barring um, an offer sheet, I guess, he's left with whatever he gets. Um, Gregor suggested uh, the Bouchard camp would be looking at uh, Keandre Miller and Boehm Byram uh, as uh, uh, comparables. Cervalli thought that uh, Bouchard was maybe a little bit better than that. Uh, those two are around 3.8 million. So I guess your thoughts right now on this whole uh, Bouchard McLeod thing, what's what's kind of the best case scenario in your head? Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, first and foremost, is two-year deals. We need cost certainty heading into next season because of Connor Brown's expected performance bonuses. That's $3.25 million, approximately, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, the cap, we don't know how much the cap is going to go up by next season. It's supposed to go up by three, four, five million million, something, something like that. And Connor Brown's taken up the most of that by himself. 
and we don't even know if we're going to have that player on our roster next summer, right? So having some cost certainty with McLeod and Bouchard would be fantastic. I did a piece on McLeod's ARB case the other day. It's actually linked in the article that I did tonight. Um, I guess my predicted numbers involved for both sides were a little bit off. I, I figured the Oilers would be asking around 1.5 and McLeod just over two, but Sarah Valley is reporting the Oilers want just under two and McLeod wants somewhere around 2.5. So like, it, I'm definitely not going to be surprised if McLeod ends up over 2 million. <laughs> like his contract comparables are, are all getting close to two or 2.25. Like, Clean Costin yep. had the same amount of points in one fewer game played, I think, or something. Like their numbers were basically identical this year. He got two by two. Philip Kurashev is another one. I mean, McLeod's a center, Kurashev's a winger, but similar amount of points, even though I will say Kurashev did it in 70 games, whereas McLeod only played 56 or 57. So I'd say low twos. Like I think 2.25 would be the high mark for McLeod. It'd be the low. I think that's, he'll be in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, great points. And by the way, I put the uh, QR code for those watching. Scan that. You can get the uh, link to the iTunes episode of the DFO Rundown where they, um, where they talk about this. Uh, I think you're probably accurate. Uh, I love, By the way, I loved your article uh, um, on the McLeod uh, arbitration. Thank Good you. stuff, uh, as always. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I see him as a two and a half million dollar player. I mean, they one of the things you know, Gregor and um, Sarah Valley did bring up was that he's the guy that took the haircut before, right? Because he didn't have arb rights. So yep. you know, guys, the guy's got to get paid. I mean, we had um, I had somebody, uh, well, uh, you know, one of the great good listeners on the on the show. Um, put out a tweet and asking myself dash low tide, you know, what, what he thought, like, do we think that, you know, players need to be a little bit loyal to the team and, you know, does McLeod need to have some uh, team loyalty? And, and you know what? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> look, this, their, their uh, careers are, are not long careers. McLeod's not the type of player player that's guaranteed anything year over year so if he can cash in when he can cash in he's got to take it right now right it's um you know he hasn't uh you know the difference one of the differences and and another fellow brought it up in that same thread was you look at a guy like Derek ryan who's made you know 12 million or so i think it was over the course of his career and um, Ryan McLeod and Derek Ryan's, of course, set up and, and he's been around the league for a while. And Ryan McLeod's made like two and a half million for his uh, career earnings. So, you know, this this is just a case of a kid that, you know, needs to get paid. Right. And um, so I'm not going to begrudge him for that fact. No, I'm with uh, you. Sure. Like, you got to know your worth in life, right? You can't let people or companies walk all over you. And you're right, McLeod's, I mean, a professional athlete has such a short playing window, like a, such such a short opportunity to really cash in. And like, really, whether we're talking 2.1, 2.25, like it's a very small fraction of a percentage point against the cap, right? So we're, we're nickeling and diming a guy 
uh, I mean, the Oilers need the cap space and they need to keep money low for another guy, which is totally understandable, which is why I think it probably will go all the way through the arbitration case. But yeah, there's no no ill will towards McLeod for asking for what he thinks he's worth. So we should do a whole episode almost, or we could do a whole episode almost on something that Gregor and Bush and, uh, and Bouchard, Gregor and Sarah Volley started talking about with Bouchard, which is Bouchard's camp obviously is, you know, asking for, or would like to uh, get, you know, that Keandre Miller type of money. Right. And the, you know, the, the question that Gregor, uh, put forward was like how important is Bouchard to the power play? Like your top three guys are obviously Drysidle, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins. And if you had to slot, if you had to slot Darnell Nurse into the power play, would it be really that? You know, would it be really that bad? And does no, that? You know, if if you had to, like if if by the end of all of this, they sign Bouchard to a one year type of deal or or something that they need to consider a trade. Right. At some point. Is that the worst thing? I mean, there's going to be a lot of players, a lot of people out there that think that you absolutely cannot do that. Um, but look, Gregor's got a point, which is, you know, Bouchard's not. He's fourth guy on that list, <laughs> right? I mean, he's he's great on a power play, but he is fourth fourth most important guy on that power play. Yeah, let's be real. The the function of the point man on the Oilers' power play is to quickly move it over from one side of the ice to the other. Uh, that's really it. Take the odd shot. <laughs> so you're right. Fourth, maybe even the fifth most important guy because the guy net front and banging pucks in and finishing on the beautiful chances that McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nuge create. That guy's pretty important too. And the power play's been exceptional, whether it's been Darnell Nurse, whether it's been Tyson Berry, or whether it's been Evan Bouchard in the last handful of years. Even Clefbaum, we could throw him in there too. So from that respect, maybe he's not the most important piece in the power play, but I will say that Evan Bouchard is a young top pairing potential gray handy puck puck moving like his skill set is extremely rare and extremely valuable so that that's a guy we got to try to hold on to in my opinion yeah yeah and and all of that uh to say i i do think we do need to hold on to him for sure um but if if it came to it i don't think it's the end of the world for the oilers it's just one of those unfortunates uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's altogether possible given the cap situation, given the, you know, Connor Brown deal, given some of the, you know, the direction, some of these things are going. Um, but I don't think the Oilers are going to have to worry about that this year. I think Bouchard, you know, they'll get that deal done. I do. I do feel like they'll get a two year deal done somehow. I just, uh, I think that's, what's going to happen. Obviously, worst case is they get a year done, and it's not exactly what uh, Bouchard wants. Yeah, I mean, like, if, from Bouchard's perspective, I think a one-year deal is probably better for him because he starts making more money sooner. 
right? Like the number he gets in this contract, whether it's one year or two, it's probably going to be in and around $4 million, right? But if he has another season, like he, if he keeps playing like he did at the end of last year, or over a point a game in the playoffs, if he carries that over through a full regular season, <laughs> money, like who knows what he's going to make next season. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to tell. Uh, all right. Let's move. Uh, let's move on. Next uh, article up is uh, your article. This is on heavyhockey.com. Title is Deep Dive Dustin Schwartz. And so obviously uh, <laughs> there's a name that uh, either makes people cringe or some people don't even care. Yeah. Um, people cringe. Give us the... Uh, you, uh, this article has been published in the last hour, so I haven't had a chance to read it fully getting ready for the, uh, program. Give us a bit of a, a background of it and let's, uh, let's discuss. And so the reason I, I decided to do this was after my recent appearance on 97 Octane, where we had, uh, Mike Commodore or Mike Commodore <laughs> on our, on the show and, uh, he's having having a poignant argument with, uh, with Chad about Dustin Schwartz and uh, he was having some fun with it, but I, I decided to do some research for myself and just see how effective has he been. But I did notice a very interesting trend with Schwartz's goaltenders that have been number ones with the Oilers, which is they've all peaked in their second seasons with the team. Cam Talbot had his best year in 16-17, which was his second year with the Oilers. Miko Koskinen had his best year as an Oiler in his second year, which was 18-19, the year that Talbot ended up getting traded. And then Mike Smith, his best season was his second year, to the All-Canadian Division year. So... <laughs> it's a trend so we'll see if it <laughs> so, so you think um i mean you know based on that trend are you suggesting that in their third season we'll see a decline if if the trend continued that is exactly the trend <laughs> really good yeah. in year two and then gets irrecoverably bad in years on and after year three <laughs> interesting uh, Angels uh, chimed in. He says uh, Talbot's about to have his best season yet. <laughs> well, I know he's cheering for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, um, uh, like, what do you think that means? Did you did you come up to, with any conclusions from that, or uh, or just you know, it's an interesting trend? It's an interesting trend, but like, there are some coaches whose shelf life just is short when it comes to, to players. Like, yeah. I looked at, I was comparing it to like Daryl Sutter, John Tortorella. Like, you get an immediate like influx of performance, and then the methods wear down. Like, the, the message starts getting tuned out for whatever reason. And I'm not going to pretend I know what Dustin Schwartz is saying to guys. I I don't know his goaltending philosophy. But I do know it stops being effective after year two. Yeah. So like, I don't know why that is. I wish I did. I'm curious now. <laughs> yeah. And the Oilers have not in any way, shape, or form ever seemed like Schwartz was, you know, <laughs> going anywhere. Like, that's just never been a conversation outside of the, you know, pundits and everybody else out there that, um, has sort of glommed on to Schwartz as being the reason for some of the Oilers' goaltending woes. I guess, you know, if when the, um, in that, when you were looking at um, 
these Oiler goalies and they, and you said they peaked, was it their second season with the Oilers or their second season in the league? Second season with the Oilers. Okay. And there was a sharp decline. Did any of them see a, an uptick as soon as they moved to a different team or did you, or maybe there's I, I didn't have the word count to go that far, but yeah. I mean, I mean, the guys we're looking at here are Cam Talbot, Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. Yeah, right, so okay. Cam Talbot, we can follow Talbot's career and it hasn't been pretty like yeah. Calgary, Minnesota, a little bit of a resurgence in Minnesota. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but playoffs the one year injury riddled year in Ottawa and we'll see how he does in LA here. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, um, in goaltending is, it's not something I know anything about. It's just such a, an odd thing. I, 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 the one area that, um, and with all respect to, to Schwartz, who, you know, I'm sure is great at what he does and, and everything, but you know, it's, it's being an Oilers fan and you look at this team and you see the challenges we've had with goaltending year over year, <laughs> you know, like, why wouldn't you try something new? I guess is the question. It's, a, you know, I, like, I always think, like, there's all these teams make wholesale changes all the time. You know, Schwartz will be fine. He'll find another job somewhere. Like, you know, give him the, <laughs> give him his 30 days or 60 days or 90 days and, and, uh, and go and begin a search for a different goaltending coach and just try a different direction for a change. I mean, I don't think it would hurt to necessarily do that, but it's like that. I don't know if you're a golfer, but it's like that one shot every few rounds or that one good round, every handful of rounds that just keeps you coming back. You know, like he's his good seasons from his goaltenders have been spread out enough for it's like, okay, we see some potential here. It's not like nine terrible seasons in a row. It's like, Oh, your goaltender here is doing really well. We're seeing an upward trend. We're going to keep you around for a little bit and then crash. <laughs> and then the cycle <laughs> repeats, right? So yeah. there's, there's glimpses of some good things happening, but overall, I think long-term, like they can't expect to keep playing musical chairs with their goaltenders and expect to win in the, in the McDavid and Dreisaitl era here. So something's got to change. And they, maybe Campbell sticks, maybe Skinner becomes a dominant number one. Who knows? But yeah. uh, something's got to give. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just kind of putting that out there. I mean, maybe that's just one area that the Oilers can try something new. And, uh, you know, I'm one not of the key areas that. they haven't. There are, there are a lot of goalies out there who would tell you that the goaltending coach doesn't even have that much, <laughs> you know, uh, effect on on the goalies. And, and, you know, I hate that because I've heard that from some uh, good goalies that their goaltending coach doesn't make it make much of a difference. And then I've heard from good goalies that goaltending coach means everything to them. So, you know, goalies can't even agree on what makes goalies goalies. Uh, Neil says, uh, who should the Oilers get instead? Name five goalie coaches. I don't, I don't know. I, I couldn't name you two goalie coaches to be fair. I can name you one and that's Dustin Schwartz and the Oilers uh, goaltending has never been best in the league uh, for a while. Um, you know, the closest we got to anybody staying up in the, in the stats was Skinner last year with the save percentage, right? I think that's the, the closest anybody has been. And certainly we haven't, um, 
had any goalies rocking the shutouts, but that's probably a more to do with defense than goaltending. Yeah, the, anyway. we know team defense has been shoddy in front of the goalies for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, I, and I and I'll argue that for a long time is is a um, the Oilers, uh, you know, have um, maybe taken some good goalies and made them look bad uh, just because of of bad uh, bad defense. Uh, Neil does say uh, Skinner praises Schwartz for his success. Uh, now is not the time to change that. I, you know, Neil, I, I think guys do that in this league all the time. Like they, you know, they constantly praise the people that are working around them because that's what they're told to do. What's he going to say? His goalie coach yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah. he knows, and he knows as well as anybody that. Um, that uh schwartz is under fire i mean they you know they see some of this stuff all right let's, let's be real on. like uh and skinner was drafted in 17 and he last year was his first full season in the nhl and so he was working with the condors goalie coach sylvain rodrigue up until last season it's like schwartz probably has a little bit of say on the organizational depth chart like what happens in bakersfield but day to day he's with sylvain rodrigue up yeah. until this past season I do like uh, some of the suggestions there. Uh, Dursa from '97 uh, Octane says uh, Sean Burke or Marty Brodeur. Uh, some strangers says Rollison. Um, I, you know, an ex NHL goalie, I think, would be great. Somebody who just guides them to, you know, know what it's like to play in the NHL. Rolly, Rolly the goalie would be as good as any. Uh, all right, let's. Um, Let's move on uh, uh, from this one. Uh, next one, again, um, you know, this is, uh, we're talking about, um, this is from the Oilers Nation. What should we expect from Vincent DeHarnay in 2023-2024? It's by Beg Milk over at Oilers Nation. Uh, basically, you know, I mean, I, I could summarize this story, but we all know what it is. Here's a guy that came into the league. He's great. He's loved mostly because of his cap, uh, not mostly, he, he obviously plays a great game, but he came in, um, you know, big hulking defenseman, uh, had a little rough, couple rough spots in the playoffs, but uh, overall I thought um, has played well. Uh, where do you see this guy going? Do you project him to be any more than a, um, you know, a third pairing D-man? Uh, with the Oilers, uh, you know, he's he's obviously, he's what, 26, 27 now going into this year? I think he was 26 last year, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what his birthday is, but yeah, he was 26 last season. Yeah. Like, so thoughts, speaking, on, thoughts on where he, what we can expect from him this year? Probably a little more of the same, but a little more consistency with a few less, or a few less errors. Like he, the guy's twenty six, going on twenty seven years old. We typically know what a professional player is by this stage in their career. It's going to take a little bit longer to develop, but realistically, like it's a fantastic story that he's made the NHL and is to solidify a third pairing role with the Oilers. But that's probably as high as he goes with any team. I could see him bouncing around the league at, at, for a few years beyond his time with the Oilers. But that being said, I like what he brings to the table. Like he's got size, he's got reach, he skates okay for a guy of his size. Keeps it simple out there. Knows his knows his role. Knows his limitations. So that, that's a guy you feel comfortable sticking in your third pairing. 
Do you expect a sizable difference from last year? Not, I, I don't think sizable is uh, the right word for what I would expect. Like it, He's going to have a little more polish to his game. He's got another year under his belt, of, another year of professional hockey under his belt, and he's got an NHL playoff run under his belt now. He's going to learn from that experience, and he'll get a little better from it. But like, I don't expect his game to change. And if you're going to be a second pairing D man in the NHL, you need to be putting up points. And Darren does not put up points. Like he's no. strictly a shutdown guy that's going to get limited minutes and PK minutes, which important. Larson role. wasn't a points guy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, yeah. Okay. I typically, yeah. If you're going to be second pairing, you need to throw up some points. I think he got five points in the games he played last year, which, you know, wasn't great, but, um, he's, he's going to be a bigger guy this year. I think one of the great things that I see from DeHarnay, or we should see from DeHarnay going into the next season, there were a couple of like youthful mistakes. And, and I say that <laughs> as a, he's a 26 year old, uh, already in the league, but you know, they, the yelling at the refs, the you know, that kind of thing that, you know, young guys don't get away with, right? They haven't earned that respect in the league. I think he'll learn from all that. And that all happened in the playoffs, right? Like he, I think his his playoff experience will give this guy a much higher trajectory this year than we, we saw from him last year. Um, or, you know, sometimes a guy doesn't respond well to that expectation. But I feel like DeHarnay given the fact that he's a little bit older. So, you know, he's entering his second year of hockey. Um, but, it, you know, he's he's not that he's not a rookie in the sense that, um, you know, he's a 20 year old in the league. This is a guy that has a couple of years behind him. I, you know, I expect bigger things from him. I expect him to be a, a uh, pretty consistent guy on that third pair. Um, but you're right. I don't. I don't know that we'll see him move up and look, I'm all right with that because if you can keep a guy like DeHarnay on your third pairing uh, at his cap pit, um, I think that's just great, a great help for the Oilers. Like that, that might be the biggest value he has to the team is that he is a very capable third pairing D-man with a low cap hit. Absolutely. Like we need value contracts and his is shaping up to be a value contract for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, we've got a couple of other, uh, headlines in there. Um, I know, uh, so just for those tuning in, uh, Lotsi was a last minute guest, so he hasn't had a chance to go through the articles but this one is um this next one is from the athletic and it is uh if you go the qr codes up the title is which nhl teams have improved the most this offseason rating all 32 teams and uh, in essence they're uh, taking goal differential and they're giving it a net rating um and then they, you know, they've given obviously a few, you know, words on each team. Um, but they, uh, they, you know, talk about who's in, who's out for each team. This is not, you know, this is going off of, you know, pure statistics uh, on new players versus players that have gone out. 
and where they'll you know where they'll sit in terms of improvement over last year. Number one in that list. Any guess? Just off the top of your head, who you think number one would be? In terms of goal differential. Goal difference added, I guess. Goal difference added. Maybe Columbus with what they did on defense and how bad they were last year. Yeah, that's this. Uh, that's a hard question to answer because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stats to go into this. Number one is the Dallas Stars. So in, they've got Matt Duchesne and Craig Smith. Out, they had Colin Miller, Domi, Olofsson, and Glenn Denning. Okay, Dallas was another one that was kind of circling in my head because I because I love I I really like that Duchesne ad for them, but yeah, I, I mean I missed some of the other moves that they've made, but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think Dallas. the the um, you know the interesting thing their little write up here is Matt Duchesne's a huge upgrade at at roughly the same price as Max Domi, and I tend to agree with that. Like I think um, you know that's a good good move for them. Uh, what what was interesting about this article, which I you know I took um, a lot of when reading uh, reading through it, was all of the uh, teams that were better by subtraction this year. What's a team in your head that you can think of that might be better by subtraction this year? Goal differential. The one surprised me on here, but well, it didn't surprise me. I guess I knew it, uh, but. Uh, Still I mean, Winnipeg is one that comes to mind because like, I really like the return they got for PL or for, for Dubois. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and by subtraction, I, you know, I'm uh, again, hard to think about this, but um, the Calgary flames finished seventh on this list of goal difference added. Uh, and most of that by subtraction with um, uh, Trevor Lewis and Milan Lucic um, heading out the door. So that was uh, that was a big one. So obviously, you know, I I'd say there's not much expectation of the Calgary Flames. So you know, seventh most improved doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, this in this goal differential It's kind of an odd article. One that um, the number two actually uh, is the um, is the biggest surprise for me is the Detroit Red Wings. So mm-hmm. in. Here's the list of in for the Detroit Red Wings. Debrinkat, Sprong, Goss Despair, Comfer, Justin Hall, James Reimer, Clem Costin, of course, and uh, Christian Fisher. Out is Kubalik, Hag, uh, uh, Jordan Osterle, uh, Philip Zadina, and uh, uh, P.S. Suter. So huge changes. Yeah, um, salary added though was twenty two point nine million. <laughs> yeah, that, that's wholesale changes, especially towards the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, it's a, it, it is, is a huge ad. <laughs> yeah, Debrinkat was huge. Gustus Bear. I mean, I don't know that when I look at this team that I think you know they're going places, but look. Um, we all know what um, Iserman had to deal with before he got there. I think he's done a good job. He's clearly a smart. Uh, he's got a brain for this. Um, I think he'll do um, you know wonderful things uh, as the Red Wings continue down this path. Uh, that one was good. Um, here's another one that actually surprised me a little bit. Where which is a team, and I'm 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 curious as to where you think they'll finish for the year. But number three was the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, 
in, they got Riley Smith, Ryan Graves, uh, Achari, Lars Eller, and uh, Nieto. Out was Jason Zucker, Kulikov, Dumoulin, Benino, uh, Poling, and uh, Josh Archibald. The Josh Archibald, the uh, <laughs> the little missile there. So, you know, the um, your thoughts on, on the Penguins this year. I mean, obviously, goal differential. Some of this is, is uh, again, addition by subtraction with the, um, with the Penguins. Uh, where do you see the Penguins this year? I mean, they're in a tough division. Like they're they're in there with Carolina, with the Rangers, with New Jersey. Like those three, it's going to be tough to take those three teams down. Like all those names sound good, but at the end of the day, we're swapping mediocre for mediocre in a lot of those situations. Yeah. So I don't know if I mean they they finished just outside the playoffs last year. Like kind of lost near the end. So like maybe they sneak into a wild card spot this year, but I don't see them finishing in the top three. I think we're officially in the decline of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I just yeah. I I'd, I'd be surprised if they make the playoffs this year. Um, but if they do, it'll be in a wild card spot. Uh, I, you know, it's just interesting to see, you know, this, uh, goal difference, um, you know, they're sitting at number three Oilers actually are sitting at number five and theirs is definitely addition by subtraction, bringing in Connor Brown and outscoring Bugstad, Yamamoto and Clem Costin. What, um, what I found interesting, this is, uh, decision. Uh, or Lucision, Lucision, Dom, <laughs> Dom, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dom. Maybe I'll have to get you on the show. You can just help me, help me pronounce your name properly. Um, you know, he obviously Yamamoto was a challenge for him last year. Uh, likable guy, just you know, uh, just never got back to that form he got when he was on the uh, Nuge Drysaddle line. Um, but he he's suggesting that Bugstad and Clem Costin are below average players. Um, I guess you know that's accurate, but if they're playing third and fourth line, which you know they were, but you know I thought Clem Costin's uh, role on the team was was a good one, and um, yeah. So I, it's hard to say what he means by that. I mean, maybe it's it's it might be accurate to say Costin's on the bottom half of the league, right? Uh, in terms of production, but what he brought to the team was I I thought was 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 um, important. Um, you want to know what his goal share was last year, Clem Costin? Yeah, yeah, sixty point eight seven percent. 28-4, 18-against at 5-on-5. Five five. That's pretty I damn good. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> so, yeah. That's above uh, average top, in the league. Well above That's average. It's yeah. for me to yeah. sit here and say that uh, it's addition by subtraction, losing that guy in, in a bottom six that has traditionally struggled to maintain an even goal share. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, either way, I mean, you're, you are they're talking goal difference. So, you know, take this article for what it is. It's interesting. It's also a good source, um, for, you know, who's in, who's out on each team 
and some of the salary added. Uh, again, you can see that on the athletic uh, QR codes there. We've got another one um, for the athletic. This is more NHL news. Uh, oh, sorry. Before <laughs> before I finish that one, this is for Angel because he's uh, always listening. He's a big LA Kings fan. Uh, the Kings finished 14th with the goal difference added of 3.5, salary added of 7.1 million uh, in uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. The... Um, what the redemption tour of Cam Talbot, <laughs> uh, and then Trevor Lewis, who <laughs> you know was was obviously talked about in the Calgary Flames addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, out was uh, Velarde, which I think is such a huge loss. Uh, yeah, I, Jersey Corpusalo and I have follow too. Yeah, John Walker, another important player. <laughs> Kupari Peterson. Like I, I'm sorry, Angel, but I like I look at this and I, you know, the heart of the team. Like some of these guys that we were as Oiler fans looking at and were worried about in the playoffs, are gone, and to replace them is as Dubois and Trevor Lewis. I just it just doesn't add up for me. <laughs> I mean, like I can kind of see why they went about it. I mean, like Dubois is obviously a second line scorer, so what does that bump Philip Deneau down to the third line now that you've traded Velarde in that deal? Yep. So you're Kopitar, Dubois, and uh, who did I just say <laughs> Deneau down the middle? Yep. Like that that that's pretty good. It's just like I'm worried about if I'm a Kings fan, I'm worried about Dubois defensively and. What are you going to throw your third line out against McDavid and try settle in the playoffs? <laughs> Use Deno on McDavid as usual and Kopitar against Drysaddle and hope Dubois lights up a McLeod line. I I don't see the matchups going well for them. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a tough one. And um, you know, I, I like you know, I don't. Um, I'm just I'm just curious. Like I I look at this team and I I think they didn't go the right direction. Uh, I think, I think that's good for the Oilers. Maybe it's bad for a competition in, in the Pacific, right? I'm like okay if you want to watch, watch some, you know, really good games and, and maybe the Kings will surprise us. I don't know, but I, I just don't think they, you know, they did what they should to, to get better. We'll see. Time hey, will tell. The King, they're still going to be a good team and they'll, they'll still be in the fight for the division title. I just like in, in the short term and the long term, like I definitely don't think it was the right long term play, but in the short term, I don't think they gained much, if anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair, fair statement. All right. We're going to finish this off tonight with uh, the last one. Again, this is a, a league uh, article. It's uh, again from the athletic uh, Sean McIndoe, McIndoe, you know, is it McIndoe or McIndoe? Do you know? McIndoe? I'm not sure. McIndoe? McIndoe? All right. Sean. Two guys we need to have on. We'll have to have uh, Sean and Dom on the show just to get them uh understand. Put the uh, QR code up uh, for those who want to read. Uh, this is, which NHL stars have great contracts? It's the return of Cap Court with a twist. Um, so Sean's gone through uh, five. He's he's taken out 
uh, some obvious ones uh, like uh, Kachuk, uh, Drysital, uh, Makar, and Jason Robertson. Uh, and actually, um, interestingly, which kind of put some other thoughts into my head, he also uh, suggests uh, Connor McDavid is, um, while he's got the second highest cap hit in the league, is is also one of the best contracts in the league, which <laughs> I don't disagree with. Um, the uh, what that brought up to me was you've got this team with Leon Drysettle and Connor McDavid two arguably two amazing contracts um, and we're in this cap crunch it's kind of an interesting you know may lead to other discussion but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about the five other names <laughs> that are on here and um, as as uh, Oilers fans know you could talk all day about uh, how we've used the cap to our advantage or disadvantage. <laughs> that's uh, that's l- likely to get the uh, chat really going. Um, number one, who's? What do you think? Number one, outside of those major contracts, uh, who do you think's the number one in this list? I Assuming I don't, I assume you haven't you haven't read it yet. I have not. Uh, I would. I probably looked to some of the guys in Tampa Bay, like Nikita Kucherov or uh, Steven Stamkos, because no state tax down there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, neither of those guys are on there. Um, in, in, uh, but that's those are fair statements. Uh, this one, um, and uh, Jeff Aide uh, would probably agree with this, uh, is Tage Thompson. Uh, yeah, okay. That's a good one. Yeah. So I'll I'll read the details, Sean's details on here. It says, last summer on the heels of what we assumed was a career year, Thompson signed a seven-year, $50 million extension that carries an annoyingly specific AAV of $7,142,857. It kicks in this year and runs through 2030. Uh, Here's a guy that's like unbelievable score. Yeah, and uh, you know, for just just north of seven million in this league, um, they're paying guys, you know, for thirty five goals. I think around that, I'd have to look. I'm probably somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong, uh, but it is. I agree. This is a great contract. Tage Thompson's uh, a beast. Uh, he's awesome. I'd love to have him on my team. Oh, absolutely. That big skates like that and has hands like that too. Like he scored some beautiful goals last year. Got a ripper of a <laughs> shot. Like he's a great player. Yeah, and he's he's twenty five, right? Yeah. Uh, he's he's huge. Uh, Sean says he's nine feet tall. In fact, uh, so I watched. I was in Buffalo for the Oilers game last year, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they they didn't even have Tage didn't wasn't even wearing uh, hockey pants that were the right size for him. Like they were, it was like wearing floods. <laughs> that's how, that's how big this, this fellow is. Wow. Yeah. No, he's, he's a big guy who can score. I mean, how rare is that? Um, I love it. I love that. Um, I love that contract for the Sabres. I've got a soft spot for the Saber Sabres. Uh, great contract. Next up in this list is uh Rupe Hints. Yeah. That's a sneaky one. Yep. Yeah. Uh so he signed an extension last season, kicks in uh this year, eight years, carries a cap hit of eight point four five. 
Um, you know, he's, uh, he's had back-to-back years of 72 and 75 points. Yeah. Extremely underrated player. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and, um, you know, when he's, when he's on, he's on like he's, and he's, and he's noticeable every game, like every time the Oilers have played, uh, the stars, um, he's very noticeable. Uh, love that one. And then of course, uh, you know, add, add to the, uh, Robertson mix there, which, you know, they took off the table on this particular article. Uh, third is a goaltender. Any thoughts? Goaltender. I mean, Jeremy Swayman's looking pretty good. Elias Sorokin. Sorokin, there you got it. I'll stop Sorokin. you right there. Yeah, he's uh, 27 years old, which is a good age uh, for a goalie. Eight-year extension. Kicks in next year. Carries a cap hit of 8.25. Uh, would you take him on your team for 8.25? Absolutely, I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's... You know, the challenge with goaltenders is, um, you know, you, you hope for that, that one that you can get that's in the, you know, four to six mark and just as a lights out year and, and, you know, it does the Aiden Hill on you or something. Um, but in the absence of that, there's only a few guys out there like Vasilevsky and, and, you know, these really great goalies. Sorokin's one of them. And at eight point two five, I mean, it's a steal for a guy that wins you games. Right? Absolutely. Like when you have a workhorse, like a guy like that, you don't need a backup that's going to play forty games. You need a guy that's going to play twenty games, so you don't have to spend as much on him. So if you're spending nine, ten million dollars on your goaltending, that's not bad. If you're bit, now, if you're spending that on Sergey Bobrovsky. Carry Price, like it's be <laughs> troublesome, right? Great goaltenders, but really limits your options cap wise. But yeah, uh, and, and it seems clear to me more. that Sorokin's not going anywhere, right? Like he's he's going to be good for a while, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. He you just know, we're he's not just talking reaching his prime now, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, we're good for half a season or whichever. We'll have to, uh, maybe next week or whatever, we'll talk about Jack Campbell, whether or not we see him doing a comeback. Uh, there's um, two more contracts on here. Uh, one is uh, Brady Kachuk. And he's two years into uh, a seven-year deal. That was $8.2 million. And, and when I look at these contracts, I think to myself, would I have that player on my team at that price? And hell yeah, I'd take Brady Kachuk any day of the week for $8.2 million on my team. I hate him. <laughs> I yeah, hate him. One, like, of, one you know. of those guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But would I take him on my team for $8.2 million? You bet I would. Um, He's just, uh, in fact, I was, um, we did a live draft show the year he was drafted and I just kept screaming. Like, I just want the Oilers to take Brady Kachuk, like take Brady, take Brady. However, if they could get him right, obviously that didn't never happen, never came to fruition. Uh, but look, he's, um, He's he's a leader. He's a good player. He you know mixes it up. He's 
you know, obviously, you know, anytime, you know, Angel says can't stand any Kachuk, to me, that's the kind of guy you want on your team, right? There's some guys, look, I'd, I'd probably, you know, uh, what's his name in, in New York, the defenseman? Truba. Uh, Truba. There are some of those guys where I can't stand them and I wouldn't want them on my team. <laughs> Brady Kachuk is not one of them. Like he's not even he to me, he's not even as bad as his brother, right? Like in terms of, you know, the dirty factor. Right? Like I you know, or maybe he's just better at it, sneakier at it. No, <laughs> Brady I, plays hard. Whereas Matthew is hard. just like yeah. I mean turtle that's all i'm going to say <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway um agree with that one 8.2 good deal i don't like he's the guy i'm least excited about on that list yeah that's I, fair like, like yeah he's good but i don't think he's got the same skill level as some of the other guys we've talked about here um I get, like yeah you take him on your team i think eight's probably a little bit rich it, yeah, I think that pretty depends much on the that. contracts you have on your team. For sure, like, and for Ottawa, I think it's a great fit. Don't get me wrong. Like, if I'm Ottawa, I'm very happy to have him on my team at that price. Yeah. But like, if I'm building around him, like, I'd want a guy like a Timmy Stutzla on my team as well that I'm wanting Damn, to build right. around yeah. someone with a little more skill. <laughs> Everybody would love a a Stutzla on their team. That'd be great. All right, last one, and then we'll uh, we'll skip to uh, last words for the night, which uh, my short episodes are always still just an hour long, uh, as is tonight. <laughs> last one on there is Quinn Hughes. In 2021, signed a six-year extension with a 7.85 million AAV. It has four years left. Um, one of the better offensive defensemen, Sean says, coming off career best 76 point season. Unreal. Uh, especially given the fact where he's playing. Um, there's, you know, it's funny because he, it, Sean does bring this up. Like, has Hughes been a disappointment given the sky high expectations he broke in with? Right. Um, and, and there was, uh, he, he talks about this there, there was, you know, discussion as to where he fit in terms of the league's best, uh, defenders, right. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like, was he as good as Kale McCarr or Adam Fox? Um, you know, and, and he didn't seem to sort of fit that mold last year, but you can't argue that this guy is pretty damn good. Right. Oh, and I yeah. think, He's hurt by being on the team he's on. I think that's a fair point. Like the Canucks have struggled the last while, and you watch, I watch Quinn Hughes. Like he's always a threat when he's got the puck on his stick. Absolutely. Skating is great. Edge work is fantastic. But the defensive side, the actual skill of playing defense, <laughs> defensive zone reads, that's where he falls a little bit short when you compare him to a guy like McCarr or Adam Fox. It's uh, <laughs> and it, it, he's in their shadows too what they've done winning norris's and putting up the points that they've put up so that's a part of it as well but yeah i think hughes is not quite the actual defender that those guys are so at 7.85 million would you take him on your team 
Uh, yeah, I'm happy to take 76 points from the back end on my team at that price. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is where uh, Ragu would uh, <laughs> would love to chime in, I'm sure, because he's always bad-mouthing the nurse contract. Uh that adds that gives you space on the Oilers if you traded Nurse for um, Nurse for uh, Hughes. Although two very different defenders, two very different skill sets, uh, and they both bring something different to the game. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's it for tonight. Um, I want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, good crowd, lots of chat tonight. Uh, lots of things going on. Um, this is going to be, um, we're moving into, uh, next week will be the first day of August, uh, when we do Oilers live Tuesday. Uh, and then we're getting into kind of the last part of the off season, really. Um, hopefully, you know, we get some good news over the next little while. When is, um, when's McLeod's arbitration ruling? It's August 4th. August 4th. So be the week or a couple of days after uh, our next one. So we'll have a, you know, obviously we'll chat about that when it comes. Uh, make sure everybody you check out heavyhockey.com. Uh, Lotsi, as he said, just put out an article today. Uh, I'm going to put the link to that back up on the QR. Scan that. Check that out. That's the uh, Dustin Schwartz deep dive, uh, which looks like a good, good read, and I'm, and I'm sure it is. Uh, some of the other uh, articles up there on heavyhockey.com are uh, our young rookie on the team, Spencer Pomodi, uh, did uh, 15 top, uh, he's starting the top 15 NHL prospects from the WHL. It's a three part series. He did the top five. That one's good. Our man, Tough Call Pod, uh, Josh Bolton, put up um, an article about Alexander Ovechkin, which I thought was uh, very interesting. Yes. Uh, you, of course, talked about McLeod's arbitration case. Um, Spencer, again, about some of the Oilers' prospects at the Billy Morris Cup. Eric Friesen's got a couple articles up there. Anyway, lots of great content. Um, you know, it doesn't come as uh, hard and fast as it does uh, when games are actually happening, uh, but we're trying to you know, get you some uh, information out there uh, right now during the off season when things aren't quite as exciting. Uh, we are locking down for the heavy hockey showdown dates and times. We've had a little bit of a hiccup in terms of um, uh, finding ice uh, for February 24th. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, but it may, we may end up doing it. Um, the heavy hockey showdown on the Sunday. And then as always, you know, I like to tell you, we're constantly changing things up here at heavy hockey. There's going to be lots of new, uh, initiatives, uh, over the next month. Uh, lots of things I'm trialing in the back end that, uh, I'm excited to, uh, talk to the team about and, and then excited to roll out, um, to all of our listeners and, uh, everything like that. So, you know, uh, my, um, if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Oilers live, reach out anytime. I'm happy to, uh, to chat and, and talk about hockey or, or, you know, respond to anything. Uh, I think that's it for me. Just uh great, uh, great to have you on Lotsy. You know, the, you know, the drill, you get the last word. Once you say good night, we're out for the night, uh, to everybody else. Thanks again, uh, for listening. 
I'll see you uh, next week uh, with another Oilers Live. We also have, um, not that tonight's guest wasn't absolutely amazing, but we've got some uh, <laughs> some big names, uh, else, some other big names that aren't lots Other big names. <laughs> other big names coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks that are going to be pretty exciting uh, as well. So uh, make sure you tune in. I'll try to put out little teasers if I can uh, as they as they come. All right, have uh, have a great one, and uh, I'll leave you with Lotsy for the night. Thanks, Lotsy. Yeah, right, thanks for having me on, Michael. Um, so I guess the, everyone's eagerly anticipating news on Ryan McLeod and Evan Bouchard, and we have nothing else to look forward to this summer. But remain calm, Oilers fans. Those deals are going to get done. And uh, even if the numbers aren't exactly as low as we want them to, we're going to get through this and we're still going to contend next year. Don't sweat it. Um, aside from that, I'll just add to what Michael's saying. Tons of great content on the Heavy Hockey Network. Front. Like We got a great team of writers with uh, Spencer Pomodi and Josh Bolton and Kirk Morris once he writes once in a while, Eric Friesen, Regu Shwarma. We got lots of guys and we've got – Tons of excellent podcasts as well, including Oilers Live, 97 Octane, Paddle Down, 99 Forever, the World Hockey Report, Fantasy Hockey Hacks. It goes on and on and on. So lots of content out there with heavy hockey and lots to be excited about in for the coming season. Just uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we, we're excited to keep bringing you more content. But until next time, have a good night.